Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey there, you're listening to the Alt in Our Stars, Billboard.com's rock and alternative music podcast. I'm your host, Chris Payne. I'm a correspondent on staff at Billboard.com. I've read a lot about rock and alternative. But one thing that's been interesting me a lot lately is how the term alternative can apply to different kinds of music, not just guitar music, not just rock music. And today I want to try something different with the podcast. We're going to do a country podcast, talk about how alternative country sits alongside regular old mainstream country music, because I think even regular old country music has been changing a lot recently. So I had two other writers on for this episode, Caitlin White and Nick Murray, and I really learned a lot from these guys, and I think you will too. We talked a lot about how the genre is changing, where it's headed in the future, just what country music we've been into lately, and I really learned a lot from them. So as always, with the podcasts, I definitely welcome feedback, positive, negative, whatever. You can hit me up on Twitter, at plane. You can email me chris.pain at billboard.com or you can just leave a comment in the comment section. Really anything works. However you're listening to this podcast, thank you so much. And here it is, Alton Our Stars, Country Music. So yeah, we're talking country today. New uncharted territory for the Alton Our Stars. I'm here with Caitlin White. Hi. Caitlin, who writes for Stereo Gum. And uh, freelancer extraordinaire, Nick Murray. What's going on? Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming down, guys. I am looking forward to seeing where this conversation goes. Because this podcast, I want to really explore what, just what the meaning of alternative means across all different genres. And I've definitely approached that the most with like rock and alternative music. I really don't think I've approached country much at all in this podcast yet. Well, a lot of people are approaching country who have never approached it before. Which you think is so, huh? Kind of exciting. Yeah, I think I because re- it can be such a nebulous thing trying to talk about just country in one podcast. So I want to make this more towards where the genre is going, where it's headed in the past, you know, since the start of this year, since the start of 2015. So to get going, first of all, Tell me how each of you just got into country music and how you started writing about it. Um, well, I got into country music when I was in middle school. Um, I 
was like friends with this girl who was in her early 20s and she was really into country and I was like very like indie rock and like hated it and thought it was stupid um but she like really got me into popular country like Garth Brooks like up until like current time and I really fell in love with it like through seeing her love for it and through like actually listening to it and realizing that it was like really important um which it's totally just that one girl that got me into it and then I started like exploring more on my own but I also I think I was a little bit more open to it because I was like really into folk and other like older forms of country through my parents so I definitely also had that bridge of being like into like the alter the folk and the more commercial country but for me I, I really enjoy both although I did also face that original divide and where did you grow up um I grew up in a small town in Oregon called McMinnville okay and for me, I think it was like country kind of surrounded me, even if I wasn't listening to it, like it catch my ear and I'd be like, oh, this Brooks and Dunk song is dope. Or like this Brad Paisley song is actually pretty good. And my parents listened to like a Lucinda Williams type country music right. or like older country music. And, and then at a certain point I was like, I don't know, maybe I read something that I liked or heard Miranda Lambert and was like, all right, I need to like listen to more of this and kind of figure out what it is. And it happened when I went to New York, I think. I was, like, a little distanced from, like, the my hometown. Which was where? Uh, it's in it's on, like, the Rhode Island-Connecticut border, like that side of Connecticut. Okay. Which is more country than people might expect. Yeah, I think a lot of locales in America would be more country than people expect. Cause yeah. It's a stereotype of which is the South or – but I think, you know, there's – more rural areas across like or it could be suburban areas too like all across america in new jersey where i grew up there were country was really popular in south jersey well i think that a lot of people kind of wrongly pigeonhole country as just a southern thing like country music is very much more about a working class mentality and sort of working class people and it kind of functions as an antithesis to like a lot of like the other like huge pop kind of ideas about wealth and like trying to be like really polished or just talking about like a, a totally different kind of lifestyle like mm. I always really really related to country music because my dad was like a garbage man and he was like in a truck and that mm. was like his job and so for me that was like very much the norm so this idea of like loving trucks or whatever which has become something that a lot of people like malign country for like that was part of his lifestyle and therefore my lifestyle you know so like there really was a connection there for me and we're not from the south but that's like a very real part of my like family's history and new york city is the biggest country market in the country <laughs> so, which surprises so people and you used to have the biggest country you're not station. joking no, no you're being yeah. you're being it, dead no, serious it's it's true and like yes in the 70s whn new york's country station was the biggest country station in the country and very influential and in breaking people are like Kenny Rogers breaking into pop radio and that sort of M.O.R. country, um, kind of 70s pop country. Mm -hmm. It was very influential in uh, spreading that outside of country. Okay. And M.O.R. country is a popular radio country? Yeah. Well, like the like, like Kenny Rogers or like uh, that kind of smoother, like soft rock country okay. that had okay. kind of a moment around 1980. Okay. Got it. Yeah, they so there's the the New York Country Station. Um, I think it was the second biggest station in New York, after CBS, the pop station. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and a lot of records began to travel from the country station to the pop station and from that pop station around the country. Mm. So there's this weird, uh, like focal point, I guess. Right, right. Yeah, I definitely want to get more into country radio and crossing over and that kind of stuff later on. To get through some more of the introduction of this and about the genre and how how people who who work within country take it, I'm wondering, do you guys, when you write about country, do you often find yourselves having to sort of come correct about your credentials and covering it, your experience? It's such a weird thing because when I started off as a music writer, I wouldn't even tell people that I liked country. This was like mm. three years ago. And like I was around people that were like very into like indie rock and had this very like very strong idea of the canon and like what music was oh, worth yeah. covering. And like and, and this was like pop wasn't a part of that either. So and like this is just three years ago. This you're is saying just three this? years huh. ago. I really felt like I kind of wanted to hide the fact that I liked country music. And so I, well, I worked for AOL and I would write country posts for the boot and I, I would cover like pop for, for their pop blog too. But like, I really tried to like make my identity as a writer, like in indie rock, because I thought that's what I had to do, like in order to like make it as mm, like a music To writer. prove yourself. I felt exactly. the same way. You did? And I was, I mean, I was genuinely into it. Like indie rock was my favorite genre right. of music when I started my internship, started writing about things. And then I, I think it could be tied into optimism with how people mm-hmm. are just more open-minded to genres of music, often more popular, that were maligned, not thought like worthy of being written about. And people are more maybe thinking, hey, if like pop or really popular R&Bs, you know, if we're more open-minded to that now as we should be, why not country? Right. Well, it's just really interesting that I suddenly, when I did start writing about it, and I suddenly realized that I like had this wealth of knowledge that like other people didn't have because I've been listening to it mm. since I was 12. So I'm 27. That's 15 years. Like that's a long time. And it's just it's really weird because there there are a lot of people who this is a major blind spot for them. And in, in that sense, I'm really happy that it's coming to the forefront because I think it's just a wonderful a wonderful like genre to be like familiar with so people that who like maybe used to be scared kind of in a way that I was even as someone who liked it have the chance to be open to it like that's really cool to me yeah and I think well like for me it might have been similar in that I didn't think I knew a lot about it Mm -hmm. like I mean countries you know the recorded history of countries almost 100 years old so it's like I was like I don't know I don't don't, I'm not a country expert because I don't know what happened in 1950 then I was like, wait, I know more about country than like pretty, almost every other writer. And I started getting assigned stories. About <laughs> it. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. this is a thing. Yeah, it's interesting because on in one part we're talking about how everyone wants when you're new with something like something as like close knit as writing about music, you want to be accepted and you want to like sort of prove that you belong when you knew. So it's like maybe indie rock or certain kinds of hip hop are viewed as the things that are held in such high esteem. But then on the flip side, like you want to also be getting work and you want to be writing awesome stories. And there's so much competition in indie rock, but then in country, it's like, huh, I can just sort of run this, right? That's the secret. Yeah. I don't know if we might have to delete that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Might have to edit that part. (laughs) Well, I, you know, 
I'm gonna I'm just gonna be really upfront about this. There weren't assignments for country music. Like people weren't assigning like long profiles on Eric Church and Miranda Lambert like they have started to. Like that wasn't it wasn't cool. Like people weren't doing it. And I think what really helped break the water is people like Sturgill Simpson or the Jason Isbells, like these these kind of like people right on the line who kind of made country seem cool because they were also alt and they were also like really incredible songwriters. But because people kind of like started listening to those and they were like, well, maybe I'll try Eric Church, you know, or like maybe I'll try Miranda Lambert or and then that was sort of like a gateway drug. Like, that's kind of what I think that like alt country is a gateway drug for people to be like, well, this isn't that far off from the commercial one and like see how they can appreciate that as well. Is that so new, though? Because like I remember when I was first getting into indie rock, this is like mid 2000s. I listened to stuff people called alt country like Nico Case or the old 97s or Drive By Truckers. I feel like this is kind of, that world has kind of existed outside of country, kind of maybe parallel to it for a while. Yeah, but I don't think people considered like I think the critical shift has changed. Like people would consider that like acceptable to cover and like be a critic and like think that there might be merit, like artistic merit in it. But they didn't shift that to like the mainstream. And I think now that they mm-hmm. are shifting that critical merit to the mainstream country. And that's the big difference. Okay. But you're right. Like all country has been cool for a long time. And yeah. a lot of people like get stuck in all country. Like yes, that's been that's my experience more of people like finding like, I don't know, Nico Case, who you mentioned and who's awesome. But then like, well, this is like the real country that I've, I'm listening to. So like, you know, I'm not going to listen to Luke Bryan or whoever. So I haven't noticed people using it as a gateway, but if that's happening, I think that's really cool. What I've noticed the most in someone who didn't really listen to much of any country music prior to maybe 12 calendar months ago, what I've noticed in working for Billboard, following music journalism, we've gone a good amount, maybe 10 minutes to this podcast so far without dropping her name, but I think it was just Casey Musgraves is making people pay attention more. I think that's what's causing it. A lot of it. Yeah, she definitely might be a gateway for a lot of people into uh, I don't know, country that's on the radio or like away from all country or towards all country, maybe for like people that aren't from our background. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think Casey is huge for that. Um, and I think a lot of it is because of her politics. Like she has a political stance that is very opposite. I don't know how many like arena country shows that you guys go to, but like every single one they shout out the audience for whichever one of their radio hits is number one they Mm. shout out the troops they shout out something about american pride like you'll see people like hauling their flags down there like these these are kind of like very conservative ideas that like a lot of people our age are are totally turned off by so if you have even an artist whose music you like and they're saying stuff like this like that can be really hard to reconcile so you have casey who's like let's smoke pot gay marriage which aren't like new ideas by any means but coming from someone who makes music like her and how it sounds it's just like this perfect storm of like oh she, she, i agree with her politically and this is like alt country and this is like kind of close to mainstream it's just like she really like got kind of like the trifecta there i think yeah and she is um like she says that like her heroes like Emmy Lou Harris or in like like she's listening to the alt country I guess and uh I think sees more of herself in that than in like the um 
like salute the troops mm-hmm. sort of thing. You won't hear that kind of like discourse from her like at all, which is really interesting and probably part of the reason why she won't really break into the mainstream. Like the country audience, I think, is still very conservative for for mainstream like radio country. From what I've heard, though, from listening to like our Nashville correspondents, just discussions at Billboard, seems like Nashville really wants to make her happen. The country music industry, yeah, has a lot of support. It's interesting. Like I, I mean, I mean, we like I don't know, read a lot of interviews with country artists and talk to them a lot, or like talk to like I helped with uh, in the Billboard Nashville Power issue. I talked to a bunch uh-huh. of songwriters. Power one hundred. Yeah, yeah, um, and like. I think, like, I mean, maybe it's, like, people just say this as a way to, like, kind of disavow themselves from what's actually happening in country music, but everyone is, like, like, like we're all about Casey Musgraves, we're all about Brandy Clark, mm-hmm. um, like, our, uh, we're sick of trucks, and then it's, <laughs> like, oh, okay, <laughs> but are you? <laughs> mm. They're not sick of money, I guess. They're but, not sick of paychecks. Yeah. But, yeah, there is... A, like I think some people in New York think that like have this idea of Nashville as being like, like we don't want like uh, Casey Musgraves makes us uncomfortable. We want to do the safe thing. But I think people in Nashville, I mean, I mean, I'm from New York too, so I'm not totally on the pulse of what's happening there. But I think people in Nashville, like within what we think of as like the radio country, mainstream country, Mm-hmm. very much do like want that to happen and they're maybe like embarrassed that it's not happening more and that people from New York are like kind of disappointed in them maybe yeah and there was a quote from this country radio executive named Keith Hill that made its rounds do you know what I'm talking you're already laughing the, the comment he made that in talking about why there aren't many women like Casey on the country charts he's compared it's like a salad and the female artists are just like the little tomatoes in the salad. And he just said straight up, like, yeah, we make more money. We get more we get more listeners when we just have more male artists. Right. The, the men are the lettuce and women are just the salad accessories. Well, I think that's the problem with what you're saying, Nick, because I think there is a huge population of people there who feel that way, but they don't have any power. They aren't the ones who own the record labels or they aren't the ones who are these radio executives like those are still pretty much like conservative white guys. Like across the board, if you look through Nashville's like business kind of rankings, like you'll see this again and again. It's it's a bunch of old white guys. Like it's the old boys club that Casey talks about on probably my favorite song on her new record. And, and that's the problem is that although a lot has happened in the music industry to take power away from labels and radio structure in country, that's still very much a part of who succeeds there. And if you're not making money, you could like Brandy Clark is like beloved, but like she makes money from writing songs for other people. Like she what, she helped write Toby Keith's one of his new singles, Drunk Americans. And that's what Kate, it baffles me how it took them so long to just like Casey be a solo artist because she did that for years before they let her do her debut album. Yeah, same with Ashley Monroe. It's the mm-hmm. same thing. And even Brandy or Angelina Presley, who's one of the, the Pistolanis. Like, they have been in Nashville for years upon years. They're super talented, but they're maybe not the exact thing that people think they're going to see when they go to, like, a country arena show, you know? Like, you won't see a, 
a quiet spoken woman with a guitar playing a slow song. Like it has to be the big amped up Jason Aldean song, you know? Mm. The tomatoes remark um, is well, like, so it appeared in the, this trade publication called like country air check weekly. Um, and I think it might've been the issue before. It's like really interesting and a really good trade publication. And like a week before, two weeks before they had this really awesome seminar and like the whole issue was devoted to like women and country music. And like they had one of the women from Little Big Town and like three radio executives and like had a really thoughtful exchange about this issue. Um, and then like the next issue that, that like quoted this idiot or I mean, I, this guy. Okay. <laughs> You're like, we're going in. Who, this guy. Uh, who said this uh, idiotic thing. And I'd, I think... I'd recommend that people that's heard this and were outraged and want to know more, like look for the previous issue with the seminar or the exchange or whatever. Um, that was much more thoughtful and much more uh, dynamic perspective from within Nashville about okay. it. It makes me wonder because is this what the people want? When you go to a country show, from what I've seen lately, it seems like it's it's not just like a bunch of guys, or I don't know who would want to just see like a bunch of male singers if it would be guys or girls. But it, does it even reflect the demographic who consumes country music and what they want to just have like ninety percent dudes? I I think that's like what we ask ourselves all the time. Like it's really hard. It's really hard to parse because this is what the stats consistently show that yeah this is what people want and and yeah i i just went to um kenny Jez, kenny chesney and jason aldean i actually reviewed it for, yeah, for yeah. billboard and there's tons of women there and there's tons of teen girls there and there's tons of teen boys there and there's tons of grandparents there like this is i mean chesney is like a legend so he has a very deep fan base but mm-hmm. And even for me, like, I love Ashley Monroe and Casey Musgraves, and, like, I'm a feminist, and this is, like, something I care about a lot, but I also love Jason Aldean. I I don't want Jason Aldean to go away. I just want there to be, like, equality or, like, diversity or, like, something, because every every other artist leading up to him, Cole Swindle and, like, Brantley Gilbert, like, they're all kind of in the same category, and I just wish that there was more than one category that was also success. Mm. Uh, it's cool that Casey Musgrave's first national tour was opening the big Kenny Chesney Arena or football stadium thing. This was two years ago? Was she opening? Uh, I think so. I don't remember exact details, but I know that Chesney like, handpicks who opens for him, so yeah. that's cool that he had her. I didn't actually know that. Yeah. Yeah, and for reference, I just looked at the country top singles right now the billboard chart and number one through 12 are all men it's always like like yeah well kelsey ballerini topped it fairly recently so that was an outlier that happened not too long ago but now the top one is cam at 13 and maddie and tay at 14 but yeah that's that's one through 12 um so yeah i mean is that something you guys see at least moving somewhat in the right direction, maybe slowly. I hope so. I don't I mean, see it moving. So not a lot. Of... I don't see it moving. That's what's really mm. frustrating, and that's the same question where you were saying, like, is this what people want? 
like maybe it is what people want. Maybe we're just like kind of deluding ourselves that other people care. I mean, Casey Musgrave's song got pulled off the radio. Casey Musgrave. That was like, Biscuits. Biscuits, which I think is one of the worst songs on her album, but still. like, <laughs> well, Why did it get pulled? I don't think we know. Is, Do we yeah, know? It's like, probably um, radio stations using uh, like uh, PPMs to monitor who's listening. So like it sends real time data, um, which isn't perfect, but uh, that's what the standard is now. I think people most likely they found that people were turning the dial. Wow. Or it wasn't testing well in surveys. Casey is like, I don't know if Casey wants to be on the radio. Like Kelsey Ballerini, she got a number one with like, like she made a song that sounds like a song that's on the radio. Um, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing that Casey Musgraves like. Like, she didn't make it easy for radio, I think. She's not catering to them. Yeah. Which is, like, it's awesome that she's doing her thing. Um, and it's, it's yeah, like, the Cam song is really good. Is it Burning House? Is that the one that's high right now? I think it is. Yeah. yeah. And, like, Maddie and Tay are awesome. Their album's coming out. Um, so, and those... It just came out. It came out on Friday, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. It just came out. But I think those are artists who are shooting for number ones and shooting for big hits more than Casey is. So I hope that they uh, succeed because they're all talented from what I gather. Well, when you brought up Casey, I thought you were going to ring up Taylor, Taylor Swift. Hmm. I mean, I know you're trying to keep this in like kind of the last calendar year or so, but Taylor is the one that really kind of proved all these theories wrong, right? They're like, Oh, there's no market for this. Oh, women don't want a female. And like Maddie and Tay, Cam, Kelsey Ballerina, like they're all trying to do the Taylor thing. Like they're all kind of like similar to what she did. And I don't, I don't personally think they're like as good as Taylor, but Mm -hmm. like her old country stuff, like it was huge. And it was like a huge thing that like this young little blonde girl was like doing more doing more numbers than like Toby Keith, you know? Like she was doing like monumental numbers. And I think that opens up a lane for I mean even for Miranda, even for for Casey, even for the Pistolanis, but like they don't want to do the same thing that she did. Hmm. 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 So wanna turn the um because I was recently going through the coverage that Rolling Stone did of Farnborough Festival, which both of you guys worked towards <laughs> mm-hmm. that, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's... Se- it's was, it, was it bad? <laughs> well, <laughs> I was about to rip it apart. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say, it seemed like the lineup of that was pretty fairly split, male and female, right? Yeah, it was actually a really good lineup. Uh, although I think all the headliners were men. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Paisley, Brad Paisley, Luke Bryan. And Dirks. Yeah. Dirks. Okay. Okay. And I think Eric Church was in there too. Church wasn't there. Oh, no? Okay. Was he? If I missed him, no, there's no (laughs) way. I would not miss Eric Church. Um, But Maddie and Tay were there. Yeah. Um, Brandy Clark was on the main stage. Sturgill was there. Mm -hmm. That's interesting because I was, I've been kind of like cynical, just maybe like a little cynical as to like how much alt country and like mainstream Nashville country really does cross over because like I've been saying I've been following the alternative side for a while now and I do see how there's a divide I wonder like yeah it's great but do people who listen to like country radio really care about Jason Isbell I wonder that but seeing someone like Sturgill at a festival like that that's reaffirming oddly I went to Lollapalooza 
earlier this month. Me and, too. Oh, yes, Sturgill had he was on like the second biggest stage there. And our freelancer who who covered the his set was raving about his set. He was great. He but he was on a smaller stage at a country music festival. He was in this like tent on the far side. That's with a much telling. smaller crowd. Which yeah, I thought that was I couldn't believe that. Well, like it made sense in a way, but he killed it both times. Mm. I think I think the divide between mainstream country and alt country comes down to this idea that I think about in music all the time with poptimism is intent. Is this artist trying to make money or is this artist trying to make lasting art? And people really draw that distinction. They really do. And I think that the people that like are drawn to alt country like have this sense or even with Casey people are like yeah she's not trying to be on the radio like she's not trying to be Taylor Swift like they're, the they're drawn though. to like this rebel of like no money doesn't get to just control everything we do and say like we won't make enough money we won't be on the radio fine like I'm still gonna make music like that and I think that's a very working class mentality too which is the weird thing so technically mm. it should translate to like the big commercial but I think by the time country gets that commercial. So wait, you're saying you're saying what is it. the working class mentality? Well, I think the idea of like money isn't everything, like we're just going to do what we want is the working class mentality, okay. which is what I started off this podcast by hmm. saying. I think that that is like what country music came from. But I mean, I guess commercial country like. Because I've also heard arguments, and I think you can kind of flip that too and say like when very wealthy people make make music or whatever, it's also easier for them to say like, oh, I don't care about making money. I don't care about sales. I'm just going to like make the art I want. And then like with – on the opposite end of that, you could say like, oh, want like the American dream and wanting to rise up and make money. It could support wanting to be more commercial too. Right. And I think mainstream country artists – um, I'm sure it's true for many of them that that they're like, like I like Luke Bryan seems like he's really following his heart and his like passion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like is, those are the super, songs he likes. It's making a lot yeah. of money. Yeah, and <laughs> like often maybe mainstream country artists do like a better job of selling the idea of like like I'm thinking of like those like Kenny Chesney and Zach mm-hmm. Brown songs, like a chicken fried kind of song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like Zach Brown's biggest hit is like. It's all about like, you know, and his latest hit, Homegrown, or the first single from his last album. They're these songs about how like, I don't need possessions. It's I just okay. need my friends. Yeah. And my, yeah. And the, I'm just, we were just doing our thing. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, 
you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mm. Um, he's kind of, a, I saw him at uh, Shea Stadium or City Field a few weeks ago. And his new album has a cover of a Jason Isbell song, uh, the song Dress Blues, which is about like uh, going to the funeral of this Marine who died overseas. Um, and it was, it's like, a, well, it was interesting to see Zach Brown do it. Because at first, I think people didn't recognize it yet because it's like the slow song off his new album. So people started making out because they thought it was like, this oh my god like love song (laughs) and then it ended with like taps or whatever and like the flags waving um only a few people left making out then (laughs) yeah they they kind of had uh they separated they caught on yeah (laughs) um but it works like he uh he he does a good job with it at least on the album well that song's interesting because that's one of the like probably best known Isbell songs from before he got sober and before Southeastern. And I interviewed him earlier this year and he said that, um, I'm, I'm not going to remember the guy's name, but someone that is in Zach Brown's band is friends with Jason Isbell and they've been, they've known each other for a long time and have like this long history. So he's like, I figure that guy is the guy that like showed Zach Brown mm, this song. Yeah. And it's really cool to me because it's like very much of like, connecting back Isbell's career from like the very beginning to when he was like so unknown like no one knew who he was before Southeastern like very few people knew who he was to now with his latest record something more than free I feel like I mean he's on heat seeker charts like he's like playing pretty big like shows all by himself like he's really getting up there and so to and he doesn't do songwriting for other for other writers he doesn't he hasn't really ever had a major artist record one of the songs I asked him so I think it's cool to see it kind of coming full circle of like a lot of people will be exposed to that song through Zach Brown, which that is nothing but good. Yeah. Know? So, yeah, so it's interesting to dig this up. So there are some people who tow that line, some crossovers who do have a foot in both worlds. I think Dirk Bentley is a really important one. Uh, maybe the most important one among big stars. I love uh, Dirk Bentley. He's amazing. Like he, he made a bluegrass album like as he was, he wasn't quite top tier, but like he was like, I'm gonna make a bluegrass album right now, mm-hmm. up on a ridge, and it's really good. And he like, uh, he like, um, like Patty Griffin was on one of his earlier albums, um, but he's really interested in, um, sort of bridging these two worlds from mm-hmm. the perspective of someone who's a star, in one. Yeah, I've really been into Sam Hunt lately. Uh, Billboard, Billboard put him on our, on the Men of Style cover a couple of weeks back. Man, I just thought it was really fascinating how you've got this guy who's like a good-looking jock who actually tried out for an NFL team, was a legit like college quarterback, and he gets shit now for performing with like flat brim caps instead of cowboy hats. He has his name on a, like a, a like a backdrop on his stage with like a floral pattern behind it. He covers female R&B singers and he's still really, really popular. He's got the number one country single right now. I think Sam Hunt is such an interesting case. Like it's one of those things where you could never, 
say like, oh, for sure this will succeed. But once it did, it seems so obvious that you're like, oh, why didn't we do this before? Like he also covers Drake all the time. Yeah, that, and yeah. he's like really kind of like stepped into that lane. What what's the name of the song that's number one? Um, Leave the night on. No, house party. House party. House yeah. party is the number one one yeah. now. Well, Leave the Night On is basically a Drake song. He's like, hey, girl, like everyone else is hitting on you, but I'm hitting on, on you in my special Sam Hunt way. Yeah, like, yeah. And if you didn't like it, you'd be gone by now. <laughs> it's like totally the same logic Drake uses. And like it's so much like a voicemail or like these like weird spoken word things and interludes that are like becoming like charting songs again. You know, I think that the way that he plays with the format of what a country song could be is like really intriguing. And some people are really threatened by that. Like mm. traditional country people don't like Sam Hunt because wow. they're like, threat is a bringing... strong word. Oh, for sure. I mean, so much about country is like regressive. Like that's the alt rock thing is like, this mm. is real country or not alt rock, alt country. This is real country. Like I mean, no one can like ever top. Too, but... No one can ever top Emmy Lou. No one can ever top Willie Nelson. Like if that's true, then why are we, still trying to make music you know like you should be able to have an icon that can top the icons from the past that's why we move forward so i think anytime that hip-hop or r&b like gets into country purists are th very threatened yeah i think that's the right word yeah, do you agree so. yeah um i was thinking when you said this podcast was going to be about alt country um well like so sam hunt has all this rap influence and that's one of the like things people are railing against in country for the last year or so, like Florida Georgia Line. And they, and I saw them at Masks for Garden. They they ended their show with like this power mix of hip hop covers. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what I mean. That's where we have to say who's against it, you know? Because there's a whole section of people that aren't against right. it. There's a whole Madison Square Garden of people right. that aren't mm. against it. But people who love Casey Musgraves or like only like alt country might not like Florida Georgia Lion. Or might at least ha might hate that them. it's not for them. <laughs> um, but it's interesting to me, like to think about, and I guess the nature of this podcast about like alternative music. Um, and there's like, when we talk about alternative country, everyone knows what we're talking about. That's sort of like slightly outside Nashville, Americana stuff. But there are like, over the last seven years, maybe there's like, I think there's other alternative countries like, um, hip hop was like an alternative country of like, uh, people even farther out mixing country with rap music. Like cold Ford was the most popular one. Um, but in his wake, there's this, uh, the record label mud digger, um, put out, has put out like five or six compilations of people like and i think it's really uh it's kind of crass and it's like the opposite of americana yeah. but it is an alt an alt country in a way i think these people see themselves as like nashville outsiders yeah and they've and if like maybe the americana people have had a harder time changing the sound of country music um but like that sound has totally changed everything with like florida georgia line or even like I mean, uh, the Old Dominion song that you send me. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's rapping in that. Mm -hmm. uh, That's Break Up With her. Break Up With Him. Break Up With Him, yeah. yeah. Obviously, it's a him, because how could a girl <laughs> have written the song? <laughs> um, so that stuff has made influence. And, yeah, there's just so much going on in country music, which is why I'm like, 
I've stayed so fascinated in it mm. and like just go deeper and deeper. I think now's a really important time to move things forward because in covering lots of rock music, I've noticed how Caitlin, you were talking about just like worshiping the past. Like you have, you have, no one can be as good as this person. I think in with like, with alt rock being like, no one can be as good as Nirvana or no one could be as good as the clash or with classic rock. No one can be as good as the Beatles or Zeppelin or the stones. That's just what causes people to be too traditional and makes genres stagnate and just lose relevance. Yeah, and wait, like Waylon Jennings was, like the outlier, the so-called outlier was like mid seventies. That's forty years ago, which is like then to now is the same as you know the nineteen thirties to then. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So you're saying it took him, it took them that long for someone like Waylon to shake things up? No, no, just the opposite. That like, like people. I mean, maybe I wasn't around in the nineteen seventies. But for someone to be like, why doesn't country music in 2015 sound like Waylon Jennings? Right. But that'd be like going up to Waylon Jennings and being like, you need to sound more like Jimmy Rogers or like uh, some fucking uh, some and if, cowboy movie. And if we just have artists who are copying the past, then we never get like this amazing new thing. Like you're saying, like Waylon Jennings became a huge figure, you know, like became like iconic. And if he had been copying the past, we wouldn't have had that. Or Sam Hunt. Like, if he had been copying Toby Keith or, I mean, I would argue that that's an influence. Or if he had been copying Kenny Chesney or even Dirks, we wouldn't have, you know, House Party. Like, mm-hmm. there's no, that's like, no one sounds like that. So now we have, like, new artists who can, like, kind of forge their own new sound. And then, like you said, I think one of the reasons why rock has become boring to people is because there aren't artists like this or I'll get in trouble for this, but there aren't, there isn't as much of an influx of like, let's do this new thing because everyone's trying to be fuck Nirvana. Everyone's trying to be pavement. Everyone's trying to be the clash part 70, like stop, make new music. And, Mm -hmm. and I think that's the other thing that can be frustrating about an artist like Casey for me, especially as someone who like really loves women and and the music that women are making is like casey is not the only artist doing stuff like that caitlin rose holly williams who is hank williams granddaughter um nikki lane like this whole east nashville enclave and they don't they don't get cover stories that no one talks about them and it's like when are we gonna make room for there to be more than one jason isbell more than one sturgill simpson like Mm. does anyone ever talk about like the 17 other artists who made like albums in that vein no there's only the sturgill like there's only enough room for one alt person and especially for women that's so frustrating Mm -hmm. to me casey's almost an outlier because she's so traditional and like probably more indebted to like western swing or like 1950s country music country politan yeah than probably anyone else and like like when she was a little kid she was a like champion yodeler yeah so that's like still with her very much from a very small town in east texas yeah right yeah, I guess that's why it sometimes, well, her new album did frustrate me a little because I'm like, she's like, I want it to be just like the past. And I'm like, but it's not the past. I mean, it's it sounded <laughs> a lot like her first album. That that was the other. There was that it. too. Yeah. There was no movement. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, there were, I definitely sensed, even being someone who doesn't specialize in country, sensed many different form strains of Casey Musgraves backlash the past couple months. Well, that's the problem when you only let one person through is then she has all of our hopes hanging on her. She has mm. every expectation hanging on her and she's 
she like, doesn't want that she has to be one. the savior of something and she's like nope this is what i want to do and so for that i always i always respect her because casey musgraves made an album that she wanted to make and that's really important to me it's not the one i wanted her to make <laughs> but it's the one she wants that counts for something i did like like i i agree um and i'm very curious where she goes from here mm-hmm. like does she make this album again for a third time or like <laughs> she just tries to up? fuck with us at that point like the people writing think pieces <laughs> it did work i worked in the way of like the lightness of it i think the lightness of it worked and matched the lyrics of like be who you are don't you know that like be free yeah and like the the production was so light especially compared to like uh jason i mean yeah jason aldean or whoever so like it fit and it kind of worked but it did leave me wanting something a little more Mm. caitlin you mentioned east nashville a minute ago what is tell me about that is that so are you ready to talk about gentrification (laughs) i'm gonna learn something so basically oh really i don't know nashville um well i the person that i taught i had like an hour long or maybe even longer conversation with this artist named nikki lane for a a cover story i did for this magazine called elmore which i don't think is a print magazine anymore it's like a super small country magazine that this woman who lives in new york started in the early 2000s and just runs it herself it's it's tiny but anyway i was doing a country story for them or a cover story about women in music and this was in 2013 so it was two years ago and i was talking to nikki lane and she was telling me about east nashville which is basically where people who can't afford to live in regular nashville now kind of live and obviously a lot of them are musicians and it started to sound like a lot like brooklyn to the manhattan of like because the majority of like main nashville is like all the mansions for the country stars or the record producers so you can afford to live there if you're like an up-and-coming artist so this scene has kind of developed called east nashville where um it's like a different demographic of people like they're mostly young people creative types and they are the ones that are making more of this um alt country americana kind of music so um caitlin rose is a part of that scene as well and i will ride or die for her forever i think the stand-in is one of the loveliest albums Mm. of the last 50 years only a clown oh isn't it so good that that is a gorgeous song fun fact caitlin rose is the daughter of liz rose who co-wrote with taylor in her very early days so she's kind of part of like the taylor swift machine in her own tangential way um but that's what East Nashville is, and um, I want to go there. <laughs> mm. What I think is really interesting that I'm pulling out of this is the alternative or more boundary-pushing side of country music isn't just in like the the Luke Bryan flap or the the Sam Hunt flap rim or in like the Casey Musgraves tradition. There's a traditional side that can be kind of edgy and go against the man and then there's like this more newer kind of country that can also go against the man for sure for sure well i mean even liking florida georgia line i mean i first when did their album first come out 2012 was it late right. 2012 because then they get reissued yeah that's true later. that's true yeah mm-hmm. um like it wasn't cool to like them i would argue that it's still not cool to like them but you have to acknowledge like the impact they've had there's no sam hunt without florida georgia line like 
full stop. And so once again, it's this idea of critical intent, like Sam Hunt so far seems to be like, he's critically acclaimed, like critics like him, Florida Georgia line. No, they're not good enough. Like they're just in it for the money or they're pushing country in the wrong ways. So it's like, there's not that much of a difference between these two artists. There's just how they're perceived. Mm. One thing I like about, uh, being a country critic or a country writer is that like, I really have no idea what, who the critically, like where artists stand critically, like with like, okay. Tame and Paul because like, there's so much less yeah, yeah structure it, for and it. It's so spread out. And well, there's no, there's no like country pitchfork, like pitchfork so much determines like who's cool and alternative, you know, like yeah. your main arena. There's nothing about that. There's nothing like that for country, but I interrupted you. So keep going. Oh yeah. So I don't like, it's hard for me to tell where like Florida Georgia line is critically or like what really? that means. I don't know. I don't know. Like I know writers who really like them. Right. But it's, I don't know. But I feel like most people writing about country are the ones who already don't care what their peers decided is cool. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's like, I think critics based in Nashville. I, I don't know what they think so much. And then there's like, yeah. Like, I think they all hate Florida Georgia. Line. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think in New York, I think the writers are more open to like this sort of stuff because maybe we're a little more distance from it. Well, because and we of, don't know the like East Nashville scene so well. Yeah, and so, a lot of those writers have a huge background in hip hop, so they're like, "This is a really cool yeah, new right, way right. that hip hop's mutating." Yeah, because I think if you are the sort of person who enjoys hip hop, you are. You can, if there's a part of country that you're gonna fuck with, it would be like that Sam Hunt for Florida Georgia Line side. It wouldn't totally. be the Casey Musgrave side that sounds like 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. To you, that's just like more like traditional rock guitar kind of stuff. It's it's similar to that. Well, I think the problem too is that once someone like Casey Musgraves gets through, even if her album isn't that good, like they'll just say it's good because that's what someone told them to like. You know, like she's, she's the one on the cover of Fader. She's the one that Pitchfork reviewed. Like, so even like they're not judging her album on merit anymore. They're just like, oh, it must be good. She's the one that it's cool to like. Yeah. Didn't, didn't Sam Hunt play the Fader for it at South by this past year? And he was very pitchy. I was sad. Oh, Sam. He was nervous. He was nervous. It was good though. Like I was with, uh, like a rap person who I never heard of. He's like, what's this guy's deal? (laughs) And I'm like, oh, he's like, he's this, you know, he's this really awesome new country guy. Who was the rapper? Uh, no, it wasn't a rapper. Oh. It was like a... It's like a I rap like, writer. You brought a rapper fan. to a Sam Hunt show. I You're wish. the real MVP. I wish I did that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was, yeah, Manny Fresh. I brought Manny Fresh to... There you go. <laughs> um, no, but it was like... And at first, it like took uh, this person like a few songs to get into it. But then they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Because like these... I mean, country artists compared to a lot of rap artists and a lot of indie or rock artists, like they're so good at performing live and like being entertaining and like putting on a great show with great production values. Yeah. Like they, they're pros at touring. Yeah. So like this guy was like this, he's like really has an incredible stage presence, which is something, if there's something that like, uh, like a pitchfork kind of artist can learn from country music. I feel like it's that those buzz artists and they get up on stage and they're going to tune their instruments. And they're <laughs> not going to say shit. They're just going to stand there. Well, I uh, going off what you're saying, I have, I've interviewed a lot 
of rappers and I've talked to a lot of people who listen like primarily almost only to hip hop or rap and so many people that come from these communities that are really like based in rap or based in hip hop are so accepting of country. They're like, oh yeah, it's like very similar to us. Like it, th- th- these are very much two genres that like the rest of the country was like, ew, no, for like so long that they like understand one another. Like the most open response I've ever got to liking country music has been from people that are totally into hip hop and totally really? into rap or rappers themselves. They're like, oh yeah, totally. Like we get that. We understand it. And even if they're not familiar with like who the newest guy is, like they have such a different perspective on it than someone who comes from the really like indie rock core, like pavement is the only God. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) We'll have that person on the next podcast. (laughs) Don't invite me. (laughs) We'll show them the range life. (laughs) Am I right? The real range life. You're making me think of what this thing people say, and I heard it a lot back in high school. I went to school in central New Jersey. It's I know either, what you're going to say. I, I listen to everything except country, or, yeah, I listen to everything except hip-hop. Well, I'm from Oregon, and people would say both of those together. Mm. I listen to everything except country and hip-hop. And, I mean, that's that's why I didn't want to like country when i was 12 years old and i was like no you want to fit in at that (laughs) age totally and you want to have your own identity and if your identity is as the only girl that likes country then that seems really shitty when you're 12 and like if you're from somewhere where the people that like country the most are like the ones who are like drunk and fighting at football games yeah maybe even have confederate flags it's like and you're you know or for me, it's like I'm like 13 and trying to find a different way to <laughs> live. Yeah. Or like looking for some other influences that, you know, turned me away from country at that time. Or at least like Brooks and Dunn. You know, we made it Shout this. Out to Brooks and Dunn. <laughs> we made it this far without saying a certain word. But I'm going to say it. Bro, bro country. What do we you did think good. About we that? did a good job. Yeah. Ten with about ten minutes without Casey and almost I don't know how <laughs> no, long without we're Bro. So subversive. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have been talking about Bro Country though. Mm-hmm. You're Jason Aldean. Like I would argue, he's one of the first. Yeah, because he's before Luke Bryan. Yeah. Um, well, the dude who made up that term, Jody Rosen, was my neighbor in Red Hook. Like when he made up that term. Um, Did you hear like? Was he like, yes, I've got it. I think that Jody didn't even realize it would be like a thing when he made it up. He, I mean, they were, the Guardian just did like a long interview with him about it. And he was like, I was talking about like these fratty dudes who were like taking over country. Like, I didn't think it was going to be this huge thing. Um, but I think he really like hit the nail on the head as far as like what was being accepted and what was being kind of shunned and like Mm. men who have this very traditional heteronormative, like very like traditional masculine role were the ones that were succeeding. And like, I mean, even Kenny Chesney has like a lot of like really heartfelt or slow songs and like doesn't have a lot of songs about like trucks and things like this. Like I would argue he's like one of the ones that's like right before this kind of thing. Um, which is very much the red cup, the partying, the like, let's just like hook up as much as we can. And this is almost more like a generational shift even than like a genre shift. Like that's much more just like how our lifestyle is. Yeah. Broke bro country does capture the like keg party aspect of that wave of 
uh, popular country. Although it also like, I mean, a term can only do so much. But like we were talking about earlier, like people like Luke Bryan are like, they're more loved by women fans well, than by yeah, men. Yeah, I love Luke Bryan. Yeah, you've done a good job and writing about this That's sort of why stuff. it's tough is because it's like, I don't want there to not be Luke Bryan. I see this music for the value it has. There's times in my life when I really want to hear this. The reason why it's tough is because I think that Casey should have just as much success as him. She should have just as much of a share of the pie as him. And I think it's set up for the Casey's to fail and the Luke Bryan's to succeed to the point where you get this like super just saturated market of the the top 12 songs are dudes and they're all pretty much about the same thing. And like, even if they're all good songs and I like all of the artists, I I don't hear my voice. I don't hear my perspective. And I really want to hear that. Like, it's, like, based on this, like, really sexist inequality. Like I said, that I think stems back to who's running Nashville. Like, really yeah. running Nashville. Like, the top ten dudes running Nashville. They don't want Casey to succeed. Because she threatens them. That's the second time I've used that verb. <laughs> and heteronormative, all these guys making music about hooking up with girls. Is this just a country thing? Does the bro countries does that exist outside of country? There are bros. I, There's definitely an indie bro. But that's not really a topic in indie rock. Like you don't hear a lot of indie rock. That's I don't like, think it's a thing in indie rock, really. What what? What you, you're saying? Hip hop is yeah, that? Yeah. Really? Do, do you think like there's? It's just a different kind of bro or a very like like straight male centric hook up with girls party mentality that just is pervasive in the popular music um well that's a very good question i think that that is like a very like fertile breeding ground for it breeding ground <laughs> because like i said it's these it's these very conservative people and they have like very traditional ideas about marriage and men and women and like the way that sex operates like mm -hmm. throughout their lives is like you marry this girl the good girl but you don't marry the one that you hooked up with in the bro country song and like that's like their world whereas hip-hop i would argue like has a little bit more diversity but i mean i think you're right i think it's not just in country mm. but i think it's more of a reflection of like what the people listening to it often end up acting out in their yeah. own yeah so yeah i think there's like a there's a bro identity that's strong in both in hip-hop and in country but you're saying that the 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 headspace, what they accept, their set of values, is a lot more conservative in the uh, the country bro, which I think is pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's also like pretty easy in hip hop to be. I mean, I wouldn't say easy. I think it's easier than it is in country to be a totally new kind of artist and be very underground in hip hop, and then make your way up. Oh, to, like now, Vince yeah. Staples. So much. Like think about Vince Staples. Like he's blowing up this year, and last year, like almost like the same amount of people who love Jason Isbell had like heard of him, you know, yeah. and now he's like becoming very much like a national presence. So, or Fetty Wap, like Fetty, there couldn't God, be seriously. a country oh, Fetty so Wap. true. That's a great, that's a great example. And, and even just how some of the highest selling hip hop albums this year, like Drake and Kendrick are pushing so many genre boundaries and mm -hmm. are so artistically like forward. And there's just not really a place in country right now for someone to do that mm -hmm. and be commercially successful. I think a lot of the, I mean, like the Zach Brown album, if just talking about albums that like push boundaries, it's like, it's crazy. There's like this, like, uh, there's like a lounge song and there's like 
there's all these it goes in so many different directions and it's like i mean they really went for it like but once again once you're at his level that's when you're back to that spot of like i'm just gonna make music that makes me happy because he's achieved the empire so he like has that freedom again yeah i don't think if he was like starting off that would be like the makeup of his album at all yeah same with like eric church's album where it's like they get to a point where they can make a ridiculous album which isn't always as good as the earlier (laughs) albums but they you know like there's a lot of people that are going for you should listen to the eric church album have you listened to it just once when it came out. Yeah, once I, or that so. isn't quite in the calendar year, but I think that was like definitely a really good example of yeah, what like you're talking about. Yeah, like late 2014, mid 2014. But that was like a lot of like hard rock kind of stuff, which yeah. was interesting because there's been somewhat of a vacuum in that section of like the music world too, as far as like like Nickelback used to be like one of the biggest bands in the country. And now they're like, everyone hates them. Same with Creed. And like, those are kind of what some of those Eric church songs sounded like. Well, yeah, that's the place for guitar centric music right now. And Aaron Lewis, like is a country singer now from stained, you know, like so the many, Brantley Gilbert like, stuff is so many. Can you cut this part out? But I'm writing a think piece about <laughs> old rock stars going country. Yeah, because it's, it's a huge trend. And I think there was always a, a decent crossover of the fan base of something like Nickelback or Three Doors Down with people who also like country music. Right. Yeah, so it, it's it makes sense. Well, it's very much like the populist working class people again. Yeah. Like I said, like if you were like raised in like a country club like you just don't have as much rage or i guess it manifests in a different form maybe i can't judge never made it I as a wise the... man couldn't make it as a poor man stealing <laughs> <laughs> yeah prophet of our time yeah of our chad time. kroger <laughs> and of course hootie is now killing it oh, yeah yeah although, there you go not mad not mad <laughs> yeah, about that one he's good <laughs> His, i saw him at um coach or not coachella stagecoach mm. and let me tell you, there was a lot of like parents there, and they were having a great time. I bet. I was like, I can't, I just can't be mad at this. His version of Wagon Wheel is fire too. <laughs> yeah, it is. So that concludes another episode of the Alt and Our Stars. Remember, you can subscribe to the podcast by clicking the iTunes link towards the bottom of the story. You can also go to iTunes, the same place, same link, and listen to some archived episodes. Lots of good, interesting stuff in there. Recently, we've had Silver Sun Pickups, Potty Mouth, Chris from Vampire Weekend, Albert Hammond Jr. on the podcast. So you can dig back into those. And a new episode runs every Friday afternoon on billboards.com. So keep it here next week. Until then, have a good weekend, everybody. Peace. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.